Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with... Jeff Rappaport. Today, guys, this is the third part in our series of uh, deals that um, will become more abundant or uh, types of seller financing scenarios or creative financing scenarios that will be more abundant uh, here in the near future with uh, the Corona recession. Um, So on our last episode, if you missed that, um, we talked about properties that have little to no equity. So someone who just bought the property in the last, you know, year, two years, maybe even three years, and they just don't have enough equity to put it on the market, sell it with an agent. Um, you can then come in and basically offer them no money down. Um, and you can do a number of things. We talked about renting the property out. We talked about doing a sandwich lease option. Um, we talked about uh, just wholesaling it to a owner occupant um, and passing the terms along. So um, that's, you know, a really good uh, episode if you've missed that one, because there, there's definitely going to be a lot of those sellers out there who, you know, they just bought a property and unfortunately they lost their job um, or, you know, they had to go on unemployment for a little bit or they've been furloughed and, uh, you know, their income hasn't been the same and they just need debt relief. Um, so there's going to be a ton of that. Part number one uh, we talked about uh, this series was defaults. So we, we, we went over defaults and then we went over uh, little to no equity in the property. Um, guys, before we dive into this episode, just real quick, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, um, leave your comments, questions. Also, we're looking for people uh, that are doing deals right now or trying to structure terms on a deal. Uh, we want to get more of those episodes. Uh, we want to start making more of those episodes where we're actually helping our fellow listeners uh, out there by putting together, you know, offers um, and then actually giving you an LOI that you can go out and present to your seller. So we want to do more of those episodes because what are we doing? We're actually really helping you guys. We're adding the most value that we possibly can by um, taking your deal, showing you how we would structure terms on it, and then giving you offers that you can take to your seller. Um, So we're looking for so if you're out there right now and you're you know working on a deal, give us a call. Give us the details. Um, if it's something urgent, we can jump on a call you know sooner than later. Um, but we'd love to make episodes out of that. Also, we're looking for someone that can help us with uh, you know promote our podcast on social media. Um, we want to get this blasted out there all over social media. Um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, of course, and 
uh, in Facebook. So if you have any kind of experience and you're willing to help us out, Jeff's uh, willing to you know, bring you into his apprenticeship program or you know, do some consulting with you to exchange value for value. So uh, if you have any interest in that, please reach out to us on our hotline, uh, 877-409-8090. And then um, you can also get access to a special video that uh, Jeff did on uh, creating terms on a property on a single family home and then going through the exit strategy on that property. Um, so just text CFP to our hotline number um, or creative financing to our hotline number to get access to that. Any words on any of that, Jeff? You know, two things really quick, Jonathan. So getting that video is like the biggest no brainer of all time. Uh, until we get our, our YouTube channel really up and running where you have uh, a visual, th this is a visual. And it is me sitting down with a lead and going from start to finish uh, from the, where the lead is in my CRM and my thought process of how I want to deal with it and um, constructing the offers, seeing the actual LOI, and constructing the offers where it goes and then my exit strategy on selling it and it's free we're giving it away uh so it's an absolute no-brainer and i you should check it out it's a good one and second uh i do run an apprentice program um i want to work with people that one want to learn and two can follow directions and uh, there is just so much opportunity going on right now. Our apprentice program is something that I'm going to make you implement things and you can earn while you learn. Uh, so you're, you're gonna get an education, but you're, you're going to have opportunities to start putting it to work immediately where you can start making money and uh, I, I don't know of really a program out there like this, but it's kind of a no-brainer too. Um, but do me a favor. If, if you're not serious, don't do it. I, I don't want you. And uh, I am not here to babysit people. I want to help 25 people take their real estate to another level whatever level that may be, whether it's being on your own and being an investor and starting your own business, um, uh, being able to quit your job, whatever the goal may be, I want to help you get there. Um, I just want it to be like so important to you, so urgent that there's no choice but to succeed. And if that's the case, call us. I'm happy to chat with you about it. Um, and there's zero pressure. Uh, I'm not going to, it, it's not a big sales job. I want to work with people. That's my way of giving back. Plus we're going to make some money together. Love it. Okay. Hey Jeff, what, what uh, deal type are we talking about today or properties? Yeah. So you summarized the, the, the yeah. last episode we talked about little equity. Now we're going to talk about no equity, uh, upside down. And, uh, you may or may not think that this is going to happen. I personally think it will. And it may not happen right away, but I, I see too many signs of what's going on right now in our economy 
lenders pulling back, um, uh, the unemployment rate, and th there's too many factors going on where there actually could be properties that if the, the market takes even a slight correction, that there could be properties that are what we call underwater, which means yep. that they've got a negative equity, right? Yeah. Um, they owe more than what the property is actually worth. Especially and, if someone just bought in the last, you know, year or two yeah, years, uh, like the no equity, but it's marked. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, right. I mean, there will be people that just bought in the last few months that have the super ridiculously good interest rate, but they just lost their job. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, and if the market now corrects itself a bit uh, and you put down 0% if you're a VA um, applicant or, you know, 3.5% as an FHA applicant, uh, it's very likely that you have no equity, um, maybe even negative equity. So right. th there is a way for us to work with these people, which will put you... I think I said you'd be in the one percentile um, if you work with people with little equity. Um, you are probably in the one-tenth of one percentile um, to work <laughs> with people that are underwater. Yeah. And um, again, there are going to be a couple of crucial parts to this. And if you violate some of these rules, you will probably put yourself into trouble. So um, listen carefully. Uh, I would also tell you that there are ways to do this without putting yourself at risk at all. And I, I would tell you, that's what I do in my business. That's what I would recommend you to do in your business. And Jonathan, I would recommend to all our listeners to do. Um, I like when there's no risk and there's only upside. Yeah. So Jeff, how do you make money on a property that's upside down? All right. So first of all, let's look at some of the crucial components. One is going to be condition of the property, just like when there was little equity, right? right? So the more work that it needs, the harder it's going to be to sell, right? You're going to have motivation from the seller regardless. But the more work that it needs, the worse it shows, the worse um, the, worse the livability, the harder it's gonna to be to deal with. But you're going to also deal with very nice houses, houses that are in really excellent condition, maybe even pristine condition. Uh, and you're probably going to deal with some that maybe haven't been totally updated, but are still in excellent condition. I think those are your prime candidates. I'm not saying that you can't sell some of these properties with that need some work, but I'm going to tell the, the seller, I'm not committing to it until I find that buyer. And that's how I'm going to protect myself. And if that takes 30, 60, 90 days, then so be it. And if that seller doesn't want to work with me, good luck to you. I, I, I'm not quite sure what your other choices are going to be. Uh, right. They could rent it, I guess, um, uh, which may become a possibility for them. But I would tell you, if, if they can rent it and create any kind of cash flow, then maybe you're willing to do that take that risk right off the bat too. Um, and here's, here, this is the craziest part to this aspect. Because interest rates have been so low, do you think it might be possible, Jonathan, that we could actually see 
like a housing correction and rents stay or even increase to some degree in the next six months or a year. Yes. I mean, people do need to live somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, and they may need to get out of where um, uh, that they may need to sell to get some money um, so that they can go somewhere. And that might actually push the rents up. Um, yeah. In, in the last recession, uh, you know, the rental market was strong because these, you know, these people are uh, losing their houses and they have to go somewhere. So now it's time to rent. So I'm not, I, I'm not positive that I would say that that's going to happen, mostly because rents are super high to begin with. And yeah. you know, ultimately, it comes down to affordability. But people still need to live somewhere. And, right. uh, but it, it's, it's possible with the, how low interest rates have been that you can still create a cash flow, even though the property is worth less than um, what's owed on it. Right. Yeah. It's actually possible to do that, which will be an interesting scenario. Um, but here's what I'm looking at. The two things, condition and what the monthly payment is. Right. Right. And I'm going to look at, hey, what would this property rent for? And based on what it's worth, um, you know, what would it sell for? What would be a reasonable monthly payment? And to be honest, I can get away with some stuff on this one and I'll, I'll show you why. Um, so let, let's say something like this. If you had a $300,000 home and your payment was $1,800, that would probably be within reason of what's going on right now, right? Um, that included taxes and insurance. What if I had a property that um, was was once worth 300 it's now worth 285 um and you know i owe 295 290 something like that um and my payment's 2100 dollars a month so you would think well th that's probably on the high side and but i'll show you in just a second two ways that we can deal with this okay okay but those are the two crucial things that we need to know Okay, condition and payment. payment. Okay, we don't want to deal with any kind of adjustable rate mortgages, nothing like that. We want fixed rate mortgages that have a good or at least reasonably good payment. Um, and reasonably good is um, debatable. Um, you know, 3% is good, 4% still good. Four and a half still might work. And um, there's two ways that we're going to deal with these types of leads. One is, is that we can ask the seller to help compensate for the property being underwater. Right. Yeah. So one of those ways is that we can actually ask them to write a check at the time of closing to you to help you deal with this property. Do you think sellers would be open um, and I think it'll depend, obviously, on um, how much that check would be and, you know, what's going on in that seller's life right now. But, you know, they may have financial issues where they can't write you, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollar check or more. Um, and but if they could, they might. 
because you know the, the other alternative is is that this is going in the wrong direction and it may potentially lead to default and uh, foreclosure right so th that's one way I like and to me if you can get the seller to write a check I'd prefer it to be up front as opposed to monthly but the monthly one is a lot more practical in these situations and that would be hey your payments on the high side rather than you know you trying to cover the 2100 if you can cover 250 of that payment each month um you know is that doable for you and that might be a lot more doable than you know paying you know five six seven thousand dollars up front but yeah. you've got to know something and i've done this both ways and um if i ask them to pay monthly i am going to assume that at some point it's just going to stop yeah uh, because I, I, the key to this whole thing, the key, okay, I, I, beyond getting any money from a seller, okay, is the length of the term. Okay, what we need to do is get a longer length of term. So, if normally we would be after a five-year term, we want a ten-plus-year term. We want a long enough term where Property values have an opportunity to come down and then come back up. And if you can give someone a long enough term with a reasonable payment, does it matter as much what the price is? No. I mean, if they're under no um, pressure to get refinanced um, and I can give them a 10-year term, even back in the crash of 2008, when did we start seeing values come back? By 2015, 16, um, you were starting to see prices be, you know, as high as they were in 2008, and right. um, and that's after a big crash. Yeah. So the term is what matters. So it will be difficult to say, hey, Mr. Seller, I need you to pay me $250 for the next 10 years. Right, so I might yeah. say, "Hey, for the next two years, I need two hundred and fifty dollars a month from you, um, which would be um, six grand, which will make my cash flow a little better, um, uh, or it may entice my buyer that you know they get a discount for a couple of years." And either way, most of the time you're not going to stay in the middle of these, but you might find ways that you could based on just really low interest rates and potentially getting some compensation from the seller. But keep in mind, I would always go into it knowing that if I work something out with the seller, it's going to end at some point. Right. They're not going to keep paying me or paying the buyer 250 or $300 or whatever it is that you worked out. I don't care if it's $75 a month. Um, they're just not going to keep going. So whatever you get would be a bonus. Right. But by extending the term and, you know, I know a lot of investors want like the longest term possible. Well, th this is where you're going to get it um, because this is the only way that you're going to get involved. You know, five years isn't long enough. Uh, if you want me to take this off your hands, I need a longer term. 
And you're probably looking more at like eight years minimum, 10, 12 years, uh, more the norm. And 15, 20 years is, you know, hey, if that's what you want, you probably can get it. Yeah. So really what we're going to do for the most part is arbitrage this. Um, so um, you're probably not going to make as much money on these assignment fees. But, I mean, it's possible that you will have droves of these um, because you're the, literally the only person that knows how to deal with them. And so, you know, on a $300,000 home that let's say is underwater by $10,000, $15,000, the price again isn't going to be the determining factor. I mean, do people get these properties appraised when we're selling them um, with owner financing? No. No. So they don't even know the difference. And I'm telling them that there's no reason for you to go get refinanced. You got a decent payment or you got a good payment, um, now don't refinance it because um, you know just hold on to this property until values come back. And then if you want, sell it or refinance it, do whatever you wanna do with it. But in the meantime, just keep making the payment. Yeah. So I'm going to wholesale this, arbitrage that down payment. So now I might be able to get another 10, 12, 15,000 even on the low end, I should be able to get seven, eight, ten grand um, because I'm putting someone in here with on a nice home um, for long term, and uh, th- there's no reason the price doesn't matter. And um, with potential that you know, hey, maybe the seller is going to help compensate you for the next few months. Now, on the rare occasion, and I say rare because I just don't know yet. Um, if there's a possibility to stay in the middle where you actually buy it, you take that um, money from the seller to help you know create a cash flow for yourself. Um, and maybe you're able to sell because the interest rate's so low, your payment's so good that you're able to create this cash flow. And it might not be huge, right? It might be $75, $150 a month cash flow. But you got into this with no money. You you sold it. You've already been paid. You're making some kind of cash flow, um, and yeah, you know, if your buyer doesn't buy, they're they're paying down this debt. Um, what's worst case scenario? Your buyer says, "Adios, I can't pay anymore. Um, you know, I don't want this property." And they give it back to you, and you either won do it all over again and get paid all over. And who's to say that it's not two, three, five years down the road when things have started to improve. What's worst case scenario? I've been making this payment for a year, two, three, five. The market's still difficult. And I go back to the seller and I'm like, look, our buyer's gone. I'm having a hard time finding a new buyer. Here are choices. You either have to start paying again, or I'm going to give back the property to you. You know, I don't want you to have to go through anything. I'll just give it to you. Um, yep, you're one, two, three, five years better off for it than you were before. I'm sorry that we couldn't get this done. That's the worst case scenario. No, okay. you know, no recourse against you. No personal guarantee against you. No um, coming after you for whatever. 
Um, yeah, so you would you would just deed the property back over to them? Yeah, if, the, if that's what I had to do, yes. I would like to, uh, most likely the seller's not going to want me to do that. Um, uh, they're going to want to try to figure out some other way if things haven't improved. And yep, they already did it once. They're going to want to try to figure out some other way to do it. And maybe we figure something out. Um, but that's worst case scenario. And to be honest, if I could do it once, why can't I do it again? Um, yep, if anything, maybe the market's gone down more since we did it the first time. But so is my loan, right? Uh, the loan is being, granted, it's probably not being paid down very much because it's probably a newer loan. Most of it's going toward interest. But it's still going yeah. down. And maybe we figure out some other way to um, get someone in there. Um, could I not, uh, worst case scenario, if someone moved out, could I rent it and maybe just cover the payment? Um, you know, I still own this property and I'm willing to hold it maybe long-term to get whatever new appreciation there may be. I mean, I'll tell you between the crash of 2008, I had a lot of properties that, I secured investors with, right? They, they were all secured in second position on all these properties. When the market went down, they all had an opportunity and they wouldn't have had to foreclose. I would have given them the property, okay? They could have rented them. Most probably could have covered their payment or close to it. Maybe they might've had to come out of pocket with 100, 200 bucks at most a month for let's say four years, okay, 10 grand, but it's spread out, right? Uh, you know, a lot of these people had invested, you know, 100 grand, 150 grand. So to spread out, you know, a couple hundred dollars over four years isn't, you know, a huge stretch. They all not only would have gotten their money back, they would have made money, uh, the significant amount of money within, you know, four or five years. And, right. and the longer they would have stayed in it, the more they would have made. And so it, it would make sense if you were to stay in the middle and you were for, you know, $100, $150 a month. And now all of a sudden your buyer left. And even if you just covered the payment, even if you got a small down payment, maybe you just rented it um, rather than sell it. Um, you still have all these options available that would still be good for people that are looking for somewhere to live. Yeah. Yep. So a good way to make some money when um, you, you will one be someone's savior, you, you will save them um, because you are the only person that really has a solution for them. Uh, at least a, a reasonable solution without having to write big checks. And, um, and they may or may not be able to you know, be able to or willing to do that. And uh, th there would be people that would be willing to just let it go as opposed to writing a big check and, or writing any check right. for that matter. This works. How do I know this? Because it worked in the last downturn. And, um, you know, people are always looking for longer term. There may even be investors that are willing to, you know, they're probably not going to come in with as much of a down payment, but 
hey, I, I, I bet you could give, even if it was close to a break-even cash flow, um, that you could probably you know, move these for three, five, six, seven thousand $7,000, depending on the price range of the property, um, for assignment fees to other investors that would be just willing to, I'll just hold them. Um, it's about as free of a house as I'm going to get. Right. Yeah. Very true. Okay. So, um, so what you're proposing is you go out there and rent the property for a number of years or try to find a, another owner occupant as well. So you could do, you, you can do a number of things. So you could do rent to own like a lease option Yeah. Um, with a longer term. And then you, lease option it to someone else and you could wholesale that. So you could just um, uh, do an assignment um, or you could stay in the middle depending on you know what that payment's at. Um, you could do the same thing subject to, um, you could do the same um, you know, uh, all inclusive or contract for deed. And um, I personally, I, and I don't know if it's even going to matter, but if I'm staying in the middle, I'd much rather do it where I take ownership and uh, whether it's subject to or, you know, contract for deed um, or all inclusive. Uh, other people might like lease option. I, I personally, I don't like the sandwich lease option. Uh, that, that's not my favorite situation, um, but it would work. Either way it would work. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that you'll get more money from a buyer uh, if you're giving them ownership. Whether you're giving them title or not does not matter. Uh, if you're giving them ownership, that, you know, they can go and declare their taxes. You know, uh, they can take potential depreciation if it was a rental. Um, you know, th there is an expense to owning a house and there is a tax break to some degree these days. And um, you get that on a lease option, you wouldn't get that, right? So right. Um, a lease option, you might be, depending on how you're using it, you might get depreciation, but um, either way would work. I personally like the owner financing, right? Because I can get more of a down payment automatically just because I'm giving someone ownership as opposed to a rental. Yeah. Yep, I was going to make that point, but you beat me to it. Sorry. And no, that's good. Yeah, so basically, I mean, your exit strategy would be the same as, you know, the no equity um, or even the default. just need a longer term. Yep, just need that longer term um, because it is underwater. And so you need to try to, you know, hold it long term for the market to bounce back. That is correct. Cool. That is the whole thing. Pretty Love simple, that. right? Yeah, it is. It really is. It is pretty simple. Yeah. Um, so what would you do, you know, for marketing to find these deals here in the near, near future, Jeff? So one of the things that uh, you potentially could do, depending on what, you know, and when you say marketing, you could be doing direct mail, you could be doing RVM, you could be doing SMS, you could be doing, um, any different way that you normally contact, you know, someone on a list, but um, people that might be <laughs> favorable targets would be um, 
Hey, I, I'm going to pull a list of all the people that have taken out VA loans in a certain area, um, you know, for the last one year, two years, three years. And uh, FHA loans, same thing. Um, uh, you, you might have some other filters. You may like a certain price range. Um, you might like a certain area. You might like, you know, two or three or well, whatever bedrooms, that kind of stuff, certain square footage. Um, but th those would be simple, easy lists. Um, you could even go to the MLS and, um, uh, you know, now you're going to need the realtor to, you know, first of all, realtors aren't going to want to take on these types of listings, right? Um, it's not going to make much sense, but maybe the seller has worked out something where, hey, I'll pay you a commission if you find the buyer. And, yeah. Um, but probably going to the realtors would be better for the lower equity than the no equity. But um, how about expired listings? Um, uh, how about um, anything? Uh, sell by owners, Craigslist. Yeah. I, I mean, there's. And you could target these types of. Uh, properties or um, you're just going to come across them and um, in any of your marketing efforts um, you know it's possible that you're dealing with code violations and here you go you got someone that's got you know, no equity you could be tax delinquent and they're in default too um, tax delinquent and you know they don't have much equity uh, hey it's not unheard of that if you got money problems, things don't start, things are not getting paid. Right. So taxes might not be paid, mortgage might not be paid, um, you know, on and on. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. But creative financing is going to be, um, you're still going to find people that have free and clear properties, right? Um, that you always do. People always ask me, it's like, I don't understand why would anyone in their right mind do owner financing on a free and clear property? It's super easy. It's like um, they see the, the idea of making money on their equity or they're, they, they don't want to deal with this property anymore and they don't want to deal with paying Uncle Sam a big lump sum of money. Um, they can offset some of their taxes by spreading it out over time and then making money on top of it to help offset that tax burden. Um, creative financing is going to be, it's always been great, right? I've been using it for 20 years. I've used it in the up markets, the down markets, and everywhere in between. Always works better on the down market. Always. Right, right. So now is the time to learn and start executing on these strategies, guys. That's the point of all this. <laughs> so I hope that was helpful. Um, this three-part series on the, the properties that you'll uh, come across more frequently here in the near Corona recession. Um, so the, again, that's default properties. Um, that's little equity and then no equity. And, and you know, upside down right, equity. Yeah. yeah. Upside down. Yeah. Upside down properties. So 
yeah, those are going to be a lot more um, abundant here in the near future, especially with all the job loss, the unemployment rate, um, the forbearance, and when that you know payment gets tacked on again after the forbearance, um, I, I foresee a lot of that coming up. So, I am cool. do not trust banks. Um, uh, banks uh, they, they talk about doing more loan modifications and all of that kind of stuff, and I've just seen way too many times. I, I, I talked to to people in default all the time, even now. And they talk about, well, I'm working on a loan modification. I say, your sale is in a week. I promise you, if they were doing a loan modification, they'll cancel that sale. They haven't. They're, they're playing both sides, um, which I actually just learned is called dual tracking. And it's actually illegal, but they do it anyway. Um, yeah, but they're making, they're convincing you that you're going to get a loan modification. That way you're not going to go file bankruptcy or create any issues for the sale. And then they can just get that out of the way. In the bank's mind, they're like, hey, we're doing both. But I, I really feel like they have no intention of getting that loan mod done when you're that close to the sale. They're basically right. letting them both go and see which one gets done the quickest. And it's almost always the foreclosure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I mean, they, a lot of these banks, they don't even have the internal support network to handle the forbearance, um, you know, the, the forbearance process, I guess. Like, how are they going to implement it? Do they even have, you know, the staff to do so? Where they're implementing, you know, tacking interest rates or principal balances on the back end? Or I'm not even, um, do they have... A department uh, where they'll, you know, I, like I don't, I don't, I don't even think they have the the infrastructure to handle, you know, the forbearance, the I, the I, amount of forbearance. Yeah. Coming. Well, here's another thing, right? FHA and um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, basically said that we're we're putting a hold on our foreclosures for sixty days. And then there's stuff that potentially you can forbear your payments for up to 12 months. At some point, they got to stop doing that, right? I mean, they can't keep going on and on. Um, I thought other other potential lenders would follow suit. They really haven't. So there are certain lenders that are still foreclosing. I believe it's just Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that are on hold. And uh, at some point, they're not going to be on hold. And uh, these people already, uh, you know, you're talking about where they're going to take the, the three months and put it on the back of their loan. And then in you know, 90 days, hopefully when they're back working, that they can start making a payment like they normally would. Problem is, is that not everyone's going back to work. And we don't know if 90 days is going to be long enough. And second, already, the thing that I have heard is that if the bank is a servicer, so they're servicing for another bank, they're not even going to put it on the end of the loan. They, they basically say, you don't have to make payment for 90 days, but in 90 days you owe us for four payments, which yeah, yeah. if you're out of work, good luck, right? Um, right? Unless they come up with something before then, all those people are screwed. The, yeah. when, when you're dealing direct with the bank that made the loan, they will put it on the end of the loan. But again, are they going to do it past 90 days? 
and they're are they going to do it for everyone um yeah my guess is no <laughs> no they're not yeah that's a good point you know the servicers aren't going to take that amount and tack it on the back they're just going to make it do and whenever that forbearance is over and then, it's funny though right then you'll have huh it's funny right that what we hear in the media is that you know these banks are going to do this but um i mean within a few days i'd already heard of several instances where servicers were not willing to do it at all um and you know th there was nothing in the media like hey if it's a servicer they're gonna make you pay it all up front uh, <laughs> right. in, in four months i mean that that doesn't really help you um <laughs> yeah no. but, now you're four months behind and you, you, if you've been out of work i mean you can't afford it it's not going to happen yeah. So, what do you do? I'm hoping for something to figure itself out in the next 90 days. And if it doesn't, I'm screwed. That's basically yeah. what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah. And people will be in a far worse position if at the end of that four months or six months that, you know, they owe, owe this giant payment. Now they have to try to structure a repayment plan if that's even possible but you know their next mortgage is still going to be due on top of their gigantic payment well and then the banks claim that they'll they'll do loan modifications where we already know kind of how that ends so i mean yeah. some will most won't and um and it's also possible that even if lenders are lending by then that because you took the forbearance um, either you lost your job, in which case you probably don't qualify to get a new loan or refinance or something. Um, and because of the forbearance, they may not allow you to, to actually refinance. So, you yeah, know, homeowners are getting screwed um, one way or the other, almost inevitably. And, um, and maybe, maybe, and I, again, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this is going to happen is that, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans are going to, you could potentially get 12 months of forbearance. I just don't see that happening. Right. Yeah, for sure. Crazy times we're in. Crazy yep. times. Okay, guys. Well, we'll wrap it up here then. Hope you've enjoyed this. If so, please go and like our podcast and subscribe to it. Um, and the more you do that, the more audience and more people we get in front of and the more we can bring you guys valuable content just like this um, especially in the near future where uh, this can make you a lot of money so all right guys till next time go out there and create some terms thanks for listening to the creative financing podcast we need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing so please subscribe rate and review the show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts we greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on until next time create some terms this show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.